Y'all can be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your mercy, for your goodness. Thank you for the blessing that it is to come into your house this morning, to make much of your name, to praise you, to worship you, to tie our hearts to you through worship. But now, as we turn our eyes to your word and to hearing what you have for us today, Father, I pray that you would attune our hearts and that you would attune our minds and that we would be able to focus in on what it looks like to truly be healthy, what it looks like to truly pursue you and love. So this morning, God, guide us, guide my words, and help us to um, leave this place different. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. How are you guys? Cool. Hey, we're starting a new series. Um, Pastor Harold said 20 minutes uh, last week. He, he guaranteed something to y'all. I don't know that I can keep that promise. Um, I'm not known for my uh, uh, brevity. Uh, I'm known for being long-winded, um, Rachel could tell you. Uh, and so uh, this morning, though, I, I do want to say, um, if you have a swimming pool, today's your last chance. I think it's about to be like 100 again, and then because it's Texas, it'll be like 68 tomorrow or something like that. Um, who, who's not from Texas, native? Do you guys just like hate it sometimes, like, like in October and, and like April and May? It just doesn't make any sense to you guys? <laughs> well... Well, we love it. Us native Texans, we just, we can't help it. This is how we do. Uh, but anyways, the spirit of heat and sweat is about to be gone. So, uh, amen. Finally, finally we're about to get some reprieve in stinking October. Um, I have a question for you. What does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to be healthy? And I think this is a really interesting question. Uh, because right now in your mind, you're coming up with an answer. You're coming up with a, like a definition. What does it mean to be healthy for you, and I bet if we went around the room, there would be about 10 different answers. For me, my answer is that I need to lose about 25 pounds. Um, I need to stop eating so much McDonald's and Taco Bell. Uh, I need to get back into the gym. I need to get back into a routine of eating well and working out. And for me, this is like my picture of health. But maybe you're not like me, and maybe you're a prime physical specimen. Maybe this is not even on your brain at all. You're not thinking at all about being physical or getting into the gym because your BMI is perfect. Your body mass index, you've hit the number already. In fact, they take pictures of you to put next to the BMI because of how perfect you are. You are, you are stringently following a workout uh, regimen. You are eating only chicken and broccoli, like my roommate in college, who was huge and bulky because he did only that. Uh, walnuts are your snacks. That's it. Unsweet peanut butter. What even is that? You know what I'm saying? That's your life. And you are, and you physically, you've got it all together. And so maybe when I asked you what, what it means to be healthy for you, you're not thinking about like your physical health. Maybe, maybe you're not thinking about physical health at all. It doesn't matter what you look like or how physical you are or aren't. Maybe you have a constant, a chronic physical condition. And you'd like to get rid of that constant um, ache or pain or frustration that you feel in your body. Maybe that's what health looks like to you. Maybe you deal with an emotional or a mental thing. There's some distorted thinking or there's an emotional misfire in your heart and in your mind. So maybe you weren't thinking at all about working out. And so when I ask this question, what does it mean to be healthy? I think we can all recognize whether or not 
uh, uh, your picture is working out or it's something else, I think we can all recognize that there is far more to being healthy than simply working out. It's not less than that, right? It's not less than working out. It's not less than eating healthy um, and, and paying attention to what you're putting in your body, but it's certainly more than that. Do you guys understand what I'm trying to say? Health has so much more to do than with just not eating Taco Bell in my instance. Okay? At Cornerstone, I think we want to champion for a holistic view of your body and life. And before you think, whoa, this guy's a hippie and we're about to do some strange stuff in here this morning, um, that, that's, not, that's not what I'm, I'm trying to say. Uh, holistic has been kind of co-opted by a group of healthcare people who, who maybe don't view traditional medicine um, the way that probably you and I should. I'm not telling you this morning to rub essential oil on your uh, broken limbs and hope that that will heal you. Young living is wonderful, but it's not that wonderful. You know what I'm saying? Uh, plexus is great, but I don't know that it's going to heal you that way. Uh, and so I, I, I'm not championing for that necessarily, but I am saying we should look at the idea of holistic health. Because to, to think about what that means is really that there's interconnected pieces in your body and that there are systems that we have that are not separate and distinct, but they all work together and they're all truly interconnected. I find that when I'm emotionally stressed out, Tillamook. Chocolate mudslide. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it helps. It does. It helps. It helps me relax because you can't help but eat it on the couch. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Laid back, relaxed. You can't help it. You're not going to sit at a table and eat. <laughs> That's the only place to eat Tillamook chocolate mudslide. So in case you were wondering what I want for Christmas, by the way, uh, that's one of the things, by the way. Uh, Tillamook chocolate mudslide, you can't beat it. Do you all even know about Tillamook? You all are Texans, and so you, you're, like, you're like blasphemy right now. It's Bluebell or, or nothing. Anyways, you should try the Tillamook. But when I find myself stressed out, I reach for things. There's a physical implication to my emotional health. Does that make sense? When I'm stressed out, I reach for things. I find that I'm a little less um, I'm actively paying attention to what I put into my body when I'm stressed or when I'm anxious about things. I'm far less, um, I'm far less or I pay far less attention to how I treat my body when I'm in moments of stress or mental anguish or whatever it might be because my body is all interconnected and interdependent and we need to begin to view ourselves this way in a holistic sense. See, our health should really encompass our physical, our emotional, our mental, and our spiritual lives. See, each part will impact, each part will affect the other part. See, God views you this way. He doesn't view you as little distinct compartments where you do this thing here over here and you do this thing over here and they're separate entities and the buckets never mix. That's not how God view you, views you. He views you in a holistic sense. He wants all of your life to conform and be transformed for him and by him. Amen? In fact, the greatest commandment that we find in the Old Testament is found in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. This is called the Shema. Somebody say Shema. You just told me to listen. And you just told yourself to listen. That's what the word means. I found this out um, the past couple of weeks as I've been doing some study. Shema um, uh, means listen. It means to hear. means to listen. There's not a, a Hebrew word for do. Go do that thing. There's just the word listen. Because in the Hebrew mindset, if you're hearing accurately, if you're listening well, 
it necessitates action to follow. Does this make sense? And so, and so it's, it's wonderful. This prayer was recited once in the morning and once in the evening by the Jews traditionally for uh, thousands of years. Once they received it for the next what, thousands of years, they, they would traditionally, every day, twice a day, say this prayer over and over again. Listen, listen. This is what the words say in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is a really nice verse. And it encompasses um, exactly this holistic viewpoint, this holistic idea that we're trying to strive for because this is what God wants from us. This is what God commands of us even. That we are to love him with everything that we have. The word uh, for heart here is lev. Somebody say lev. Y'all are like Hebrew scholars today. Lev. Lev is a really important word. Um, It's the Hebrew word for heart. And it's not merely the pump that's in your chest that feeds blood to your body and keeps you healthy that way. Um, nor is it the way that you view it. You and I view it a certain way. We view our heart metaphorically in a certain way um, because we are post-Greek philosophy, post-Renaissance, post-Enlightenment, and so we view our bodies in really distinct, interesting ways. We, we see our mind as the seat of understanding, of knowing, of self-will, and we see our heart as being the emotional, flowery, fluttery place. Does that make sense? That's how we view our bodies, and that's how we understand metaphorically what our minds and our hearts do. But that's not the way that the Jews understood the idea of heart. See, to the Jewish mind, lev encompasses the moral and spiritual life. It is where the functions of knowing, of feeling, and of willing occurred. It's the seat of volition, of self-decision. And it is synonymous with the center with thought, with resolution, with will, and with your intellect. It's your center. If you wanted to make just an easy phrase to encompass what lev really is, what your heart really is, it's you. It's your essence. It's the essential person that you are. So when we come to a passage like Deuteronomy 6 for the Shema, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's not just love God with your emotions. It is that, but it's so much more. It's also love God with your decision-making, with your thoughtfulness, with the way that you approach God, with your, uh, 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 with your actions. There's so much more to the idea of lev or heart than we truly understand. Love God with your essence. Love God with all that is you. Love God with your total and your whole person. Jesus was asked by an educated lawyer in Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. The story's like this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? If you backed up several verses, you would know that there, this is a lawyer. This is, this is someone who is very well educated in the law that Jesus is about to spout out. There were debates that raged between the rabbis for years and years and years and years. And basically there's two schools. There's one school, well, really everybody agrees that this is the greatest and first commandment, the Shema, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Everybody agrees on this, but they didn't really agree on how that should be played out. 
They didn't really agree on the second commandment, and so Jesus gives them quite an answer here to agree with one camp versus the other. Just some context for you to understand what's happening in the story. Jesus upholds the greatest commandment that the Jews would pray over and over and over again. He said to him, verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your lev and with all your soul and with all of your mind. Um, If you're wondering why Jesus changes the words, um, it's because the Hebrew is really interesting. Strength doesn't mean strength. Uh, Me'od is the Hebrew word. It means muchness. With all of your muchness is probably a better translation if you were to look at the Hebrew. It means to love God with all your heart, with all of your total body, your soul, and with all of your muchness. So that's, it's really just like a, an adverb that goes back to the other word, the words that says very greatly. That's really what strength means. And so when Jesus says mind, and he'll say uh, uh, soul in another, or strength in another, mind and strength in another portion in Mark, um, don't be confused by that. Jesus is expanding the idea of muchness to encompass our total being. Can I get a head nod on that? Okay, so what he's saying here is to love God with your heart and with your soul and with your mind still is the greatest commandment that we can uphold and that we can live up to. This is the first and great commandment, Jesus says. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, I want you to know that that wasn't Jesus' original words right there. That actually comes from Leviticus. Do you guys know that? To love your neighbor as yourself is a commandment from Leviticus. And so Jesus is saying here, he'll, he'll wrap it up in verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Law and the prophets, that is the whole Old Testament. Jesus is saying the entire Old Testament can be summed up in two ideas. Love God with everything, with your essence, with the person, all your total person, and love other people that same way. This is Jesus' idea of what it means to live the type of life that God desires for us to live. Now, Jesus isn't voiding out the Old Testament by saying that you could sum it up in just a couple sentences. He's not saying that it's obsolete or that it's unimportant. In fact, the Old Testament was given because God wanted to see the Jewish people um, strive to achieve real, full, complete lives that were wrapped up in a love for God and a love for one another. It's why he gave the Israelites so many laws. So when you come to Leviticus and you need some good bedside reading for your nighttime, you know what I'm saying, and you get about three chapters in and you're snoring already, uh, just understand that there's more to it than just, why are these so many laws? This is so like boring for me to read. There's more to it than that. There's a purpose behind the laws. There's an intent behind the laws to drive people towards a love for God and a love for others because what God wants to see is people achieve real, full complete lives that are wrapped up in a love for him. The purpose is to conform their total person into a whole and complete person by giving them dietary laws, cleanliness laws, labor laws, relational laws, and sacrificial laws. A complete person, a whole person, a person undivided in mind and in heart, a person without defect, a person blameless and committed to God. The Hebrew word is tamim. Somebody say tamim. Tamim. It means whole. It means complete. It means sound of mind. It means healthy. It means healthy. To be whole and complete and sound of mind means that you're healthy. And in fact, it's, it's used 
in regards to the sacrifices that you were supposed to bring to God, specifically in Leviticus chapter 22, verses 20 and 20, 20 through 22. It's, it, the, the, the specific word tamim is used to talk about the type of animal that God accepts in regards to animal sacrifices. He doesn't accept an animal that's sickly and gross and just you picked up the last one at the end of the, of the line. No, instead God wants our best he wants an animal that's blameless, that is whole, that is complete, that is without blemish, that is undivided, that is good. That's the idea of tamim. And this is the biblical idea of health. It's not simply spiritual. It's a total person, holistic view that says your greatest achievement in life and your greatest good are all wrapped up in loving God with your everything being obedient to him and to what he says because what he says is good and it will lead to your greatest good. This is the idea of health, that you would be tamim, not that you would be perfect. I mean, what even is that? Because your idea of perfect is very different than what my idea of perfect is, the same way that your idea of health is very different. The idea is not that you conform to this perfect a, B, C, D, you do A, B, C, D, and now you're perfect. The idea is rather that you would strive for wholeness and completeness in your context, whatever that may look like, all the while loving God with your very essence. So if we are to be holistically healthy, then we have to begin to shift our thinking to address the total person. So we come from, again, enlightenment thinking, we come from post-Renaissance thinking, we come from post-Greek ideas that says your body is really this dirty, dingy, nasty thing and really your soul's the important thing and so don't really worry about what you do with your body or how you treat your body. Just pay attention to the philosophical and spiritual lives because those are really the most important things that you possibly can do. That's what Plato said. Plato said, don't worry about your body, your body's just a vessel. Really the thing that matters is your soul. That's not the way the Hebrew authors, it's not the way the Jewish uh, uh, people thought about things. When God created man and woman, what did he call them? He called them one, he called them good. Not just their spirits, not just their souls. He called the physical created earth good. He called their bodies good. Your body's not dingy and gross and dirty. It's a wonderful gift that God has made for you to be used by you for him. Does that make sense? And so when we think about total health, we can't only think spiritually. We can't only think emotionally or mentally or only physically. We have to adopt a comprehensive view of ourselves. You don't just have a heart, a mind, and a soul. You are a heart, a mind, and a soul, all mixed together in this beautiful body that God made. He made you with potential. He made you with purpose. He made you with ability. And he wants to work alongside of you to accomplish wonderful and amazing things. Yeah, absolutely for him. Yes, for you. Yes, for others. Here's the beauty of when you start to love God from your very essence. Actions that are for him really aren't just for him. They also benefit me and the other person. Does that make sense? See, God designed everything to work that way. He designed everything to be when you love me from your essence, from your everything, then when your actions flow out of that, 
they don't just benefit you or build you up. They benefit God's vision of human flourishing. They benefit your life, and they create a net good for everyone else around you. This is the idea of tamim and of holistic health. So when your focus is on loving God from your essence, then your whole life comes into conformity with God's vision of what true life should really be. Now Jesus stands as the example of what that looks like and how that is actually lived out. Jesus is the perfect example of what it looks like to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your love, from your very essence. New Testament tells us that if you want to see God, don't look any further than Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh. He shows us what it should be like to be the type of human that loves God with everything. So if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to live up to the ideal of Jesus, then we have to adopt his values, his characteristics, and his attitudes. Does that make sense? We have to adopt this Matthew 5 through, through 7. Those are about three chapters in the beginning of your um, gospel stories uh, where Jesus comes and he gives this great sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Many of you probably have read it before. Um, and Jesus just begins to flip the script over and over and over again. He says stuff like, you've heard it said that you shouldn't murder somebody. I'm telling you, don't even be mad at them. Don't hate somebody in your heart because if you do, you've already violated the commandment. It's not just about not punching somebody to death. It's not just about that. There's so much more implied in the command. Don't hate your brother because if you hate him, you have already sinned. Don't, don't, uh, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I'm telling you, don't even look at somebody else with lust because the point is not, do you do that thing? The, no, the point is, do you feel it and experience it in your heart? Because from your essence and from your very being, God wants us to love him, not love our own desires and our own fleshly um, urges. Does this make sense to you guys? God says stuff over and over again like, body, the body is more than clothing. It's more than food. Your life is so much more than, than all the things that you want to make it about. I mean, look at the birds. They're not worried. They find food. They don't store up. They find all that they need. Look at the flowers of the field. They're more beautifully adorned than even Solomon was. Listen, don't worry about the needs in your life. I've got you taken care of. I love you more than you even understand. And so if you'll love me and come after me, if you'll adopt my values, if you'll adopt my characteristics and my attitudes into your life and you'll live them out, through a love for me, then you will be the type of person that Jesus was. You will be the ideal of health, this picture of health that we're supposed to be. Okay? Jesus wants us to love God and that to inform our whole lives. So here's the implication. Because God made you, you want to have a healthy body. Uh, God made you, so here's how we live. God made me, so I get to do whatever I want because I'm valued and I'm loved anyways. See, see how subtle that is? See how we just twist that a little bit? You know what I'm saying? I deserve Tillamook. I deserve this half pint of ice cream all by myself. I ain't sharing with nobody. You know what I mean? And that's not how God wants us to view our health. He wants us instead to view it with action and activity and be intentional about the way that we look at our bodies. He wants us to want to take care of our bodies. 
Because God made you and he knows you, he wants you to have a healthy emotional and mental life. He doesn't want you to think in distorted ways. He wants you to preach the truth to yourself over and over and over again. Yes, about him, but also about the other people in your lives. He wants you to view them charitably and with love. He wants you to give people the benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. He wants you to have uh, strong emotional health where you don't view yourself as worse than you are or better than you are, but just as you are. God wants you to, to, to be healthy that way. Because God made you, because he loves you, and because he has a purpose for you, he wants you to be devoted to him spiritually. He wants to have constant communication with you. He wants you to constantly be learning and growing as you find out more about him. Because when you find out more about him, we can't help but fall more in love with him. So here's the question. How are you doing at that? Are you nailing all of those aspects of your life, like me? No. And, and that's not my lived experience, and it's not your lived experience. When it comes to being truly healthy, I, I, I find that I'm constantly having like, to work out and lose weight. Like I'm constantly having to ask for forgiveness of people because I'm rude or because I did something that I didn't realize offended somebody. I'm constantly waiting for somebody to come up and apologize to me because I'm so cool, you know what I'm saying? What do you mean they haven't asked me yet? You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to go talk to them because they haven't talked to me. I'm constantly battling my own insecurities. I'm constantly thinking, oh, I shouldn't have done that or I should have said this or if I'd only thought of this differently or if I'd only said it this way. I'm constantly replaying conversations in my head that I had with the telemarketer. If, oh, if I just got them like that, they'd never call again. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm constantly in my head that way, battling my own insecurities, and all the while I'm lazily sitting on my couch, eating Tillamook, watching Netflix, not serving my neighbors or my family. So how are we doing at this? Living like Jesus, adopting his characteristics, his values, and his attitudes into our lives? Well, the answer is that we're really inconsistent at it. We're really, really inconsistent. As much as we want to and as hard as we try to love God with our everything all the time, we don't always succeed. And this is why we need transformation in our love. We need transformation in our hearts. We need God to change our essence. We need him to partner with us as we press towards real health in our lives. See, you can't do enough to make God um, or to make yourself 100% complete, 100% whole. Does that make sense? You, 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 can't, you can't strive hard enough in, in the holistic view of your life to try and be perfect. You can't. How many of you forgot or couldn't find your keys this morning? How many of you um, woke up and you're just in a bad mood and you don't really know why? How many of you yelled at your kids this morning to get in the car? Um, and here's the reality is that we make crummy gods of ourselves we, we, can't, we can't love ourselves enough to make ourselves whole that's why we have to love God with our everythings because he's the only one that can make us whole 
He's the only one that can transform our very essence to reflect and be like him. The greatest commandment is kind of an interesting double-edged sword. It's wonderful and it's what we should live up to, but it's the thing we fail at the most. It's the very thing that we can't attain. It's the very thing that we need God's help with every moment of every day. It's why Jesus came from heaven to earth. It's why he first had to forgive our sins through his death on the cross and through his resurrection three days later. It's why we have to believe in this. It's why we have to adopt this into our lives, make him Lord of our lives. Because once we do that, he sends the Holy Spirit in us to dwell with us and to help transform and change our very essence day by day to strive for the wholeness that God desires to see in each one of us. Human flourishing, um, your best life, your greatest achievements um, are not the house that you buy, the job that you work your tail off to have and to maintain. It's not even your family. Those are not the greatest things in your life, not your 401ks, not your sense of comfort or security, not how well you can serve others even. Your greatest achievement and your greatest good in life, what will create the most flourishing for you is to love God from your everything. With your everything, from your everything, to be permeated by him and to be changed via the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. True health, total health, can only happen by having by can only happen by having sorry can only happen by having a relationship with Jesus. That's what true health and total health are where it begins. By first having a relationship with Jesus, letting Him be Lord of your life, submitting to what He wants you to do every day, every day, and then allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your heart as you fall more and more in love with God. Because the more and more you fall in love with him, the more and more that you want to strive for the ideal picture that we see in Jesus. Paul says in Philippians 3, 12 through 14, I'm reading out of the NIV uh, because I really like the way it's worded. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul uh, just gives us a really good sigh of relief here. The Apostle Paul just said, I haven't attained anything. I'm not perfect, I'm not whole, I'm not complete. And that should just let us all go. Because Paul healed people like with his used tissues. You know what I'm saying? Anybody else in here? Exactly. We're not healing people with our, with our used tissues and our aprons, you know what I'm saying? That was Paul's power. Paul walked in a particular relationship with God that that equipped him with power to heal and to cast out demons and to prophetically speak God's word in a, in a unique and wonderful way. And you and I, we're probably not as devoted as Paul is or was. And even Paul is saying, I haven't attained this. I haven't come to full maturity or to complete wholeness in my life. But one thing I do, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind 
and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying that you need to view your health as a process, not an arrival. Just because you feel good doesn't mean you need to stop taking antibiotics. Right? Uh, Right now I'm taking antibiotics because I had some nasties. You know what I'm saying? Uh, It's Texas, uh, and all the allergies are crazy because nothing dies here ever. And so I had a little sinus thing going on this earlier this week. And so I started taking some antibiotics. And within three or four days, I felt, you know, much better. I felt myself finally. Um, and now I still have five days of antibiotics left to take. Who's a nurse or like doctor type person in here? Who's a healthcare somebody? Okay. Can I stop taking them? <laughs> she didn't even answer. She just like gave me a stern look like, <laughs> No. You absolutely should continue to take your antibiotics and to continue striving towards health. Just because you feel good doesn't mean you're healthy. Just because you feel good doesn't mean that everything is correct and right. Just because you've memorized six verses and you've got six-pack abs does not mean that you're wholly healthy. Health is a process. To be tamim is a process that we have to strive and work at with the, work, with the help of the Holy Spirit every single day. So we can't look at our health as we've arrived at this thing. If I can just be this, if I can just look that way, if I can just get rid of this emotional trauma in my life, if I can just deal with this misfire that I have mentally going on, this distorted thinking, if I can just get the right medication, if I could just do these things, then I will be whole and healthy. And the reality is that once you get there, there will be something else on the other side waiting for you. There's always more health to strive for is the whole point. And while you're busy focusing on one aspect of your life, there are three or four other aspects that might be on fire. And we can't become complacent in those things. But again, going back to the example of you losing your keys, you're not perfectly aware. You can't see everything all the time. And you can't see your own blind spots. It's why we need God to transform us from the inside out, and it's why we need to understand our health as a process that we work rather than a place that we arrive. Adopting the virtues, the characteristics, and the attitudes to be more like Jesus doesn't just happen overnight. Once you were saved, just like the song we just sang a moment ago, once you get saved, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect and everything has changed. It does mean that something major has changed. But it also means that now there's a whole journey and a whole life of walking with Jesus that begins the process of overall health change. And here's the point. Here's the point. That there's an area that the Holy Spirit wants you, really all areas, the Holy Spirit wants you to strive for to see health. He doesn't want just to see spiritual health. He doesn't just want to see physical or emotional or mental health because God doesn't view you that way. He views you as a blended thing. You are all one whole, one total person. You're not, you're not the sum total of these things. You are those things. You are your physical health. You are your mental health. You are your emotional health. You are your spiritual health. And when you get those aligned and working together, then we can strive forward the way that Paul is asking us to. So I've got a couple questions as I wrap up. <gasps> Could y'all believe it? I really, I really did do a short one today because I love you guys. 
Where do I need to be straining towards health? In what areas of my life um, am I neglecting or do I think I'm really excellent, but really there's just kind of a fire that you can't see that's happening? Where do I need to strain for health the way that Paul has urged us to? Listen, you haven't arrived here. If the Apostle Paul didn't arrive, then you certainly haven't, and there's more for you to do, there's more for you to learn, and there's more for you to apply in your own life to be more like Jesus. So physically, how many of you need to press on and strain toward real health in your body? It's not good. It's not good to consume too many calories, too much fat, too many processed carbs, and far too much sugar. It's not good. It might feel good and taste good, but it's not good. It's not good to over-consume. It's not good to go too far into that tub of ice cream. See, those, those wonderful things, they have a wonderful way of ruining your body. <laughs> and here's the idea. Again, if you are a blended thing and you're not separate things, and if we're to love God with our everything, then that has physical implications. We have to love God with our physical beings. That means that we should be good stewards of the bodies that God provided for us. A lot of Christians want to debate, should you drink alcohol? Will we smoke weed? And we have these really high-level debates about stuff. Who's talking about the diabetic um, pandemic that's occurring in our nation? Who's talking about high fructose corn syrup and red dye 40? That's in everything. Who's talking about how much dairy is everywhere and you can't get away from it if you have a dairy sensitivity or allergy? Who's talking about being intentional about um, buying the right foods at the grocery store as opposed to going to McDonald's because it's so much easier? There's nothing wrong with eating a hamburger. I'm not, don't hear me, don't mishear me today say that, that McDonald's is the devil. No one's saying that. But I find it interesting that McDonald's hamburger is 99 cents and a thing of salad is $3. And it's not because Walmart doesn't like salad. It's because you don't. It's because you like McDonald's better than you like salad. And so to buy salad costs us more money. And here's my whole point, is that there is a physical implication to the way that we love God. No one's asking you to be a perfect Greek statue, that perfect ideal of of physical health where you look like John Cena or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Or like The Rock. You know what I'm saying? Nobody's asking you to be that. God's not asking you to be that. I think there's so much more to your health than just, well, if you just worked out and you just tried harder, then you'd be buff. No, I, I think there's more to it than just that. I think there's a lot of maybe physical things and a lot of physiological things that are happening in your body that might prevent you from losing weight easily. I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on in our, in our bodies that we don't truly fully understand yet. And so just to say, well, if you dieted and you did keto and you drank grease all the time, then you'd be great. There's more to it. There's more to it than that. There's an active... Um, there's an intentional mind, mind frame and mindset that we have to apply when we come to the care of our bodies. How many of you want to see your grandkids? I sure do. How many of you want to live a robust physical life where you can get outside and run with your kids? Man, I sure do. 
I'm getting tired walking up the stairs right now. But just because I'm out of shape. It's because I haven't been intentional with the way that I am stewarding my body. How many of us need to begin to move and to stretch and to grow or maintain the muscle that God wants us to have? Are you striving towards health? This is the point. Are you striving towards health or are you just passively doing the things that you've always done because it's super comfortable and it tastes better? Or are we striving towards physical overall health in our bodies because it will have implications for how we think emotionally and mentally? Do you guys know that when you work out, it releases endorphins? It makes you feel good after you're done. You actually have more energy when you're like consistently working out. It's wild how God made you. He made you this way on purpose so that once you did good labor, you would feel better about your whole life. That's, that's just the truth of it. Science will tell us this. So how are you striving for physical health? Many of us um, need to sign up for the Couch to 5K app this week. We need to, we need to download that um, before service is over, and we need to pursue uh, this 5K maybe as a first great goal. Uh, I, I am. I'm signed up on it right now. I haven't run yet, I must confess. I was waiting for this week, so that's a very important reason. Uh, my diet starts tomorrow, and uh, I can just say that every day. Um, uh, and so I, I have three runs this week. I have three walk runs, whatever it looks like. The Couch to 5K will yell at me and tell me what to do. Um, and, and I have three runs coming up this week. And so I'm, I'm, now that I'm saying it out loud, I have to actually do it. You know what I'm, you know what I'm trying to say? Um, this is a way for us to hold one another accountable as we build into the overall physical health of our church body, okay? And we want to see you participate along with us in that Global Effects 5K. Um, we've timed it perfectly. We've timed the series on purpose. We've timed the, the, um, the, the 5K itself for Global Effects um, so that in nine weeks you would be ready for a 5K. If you start tomorrow or this week, you will be ready at the end of the Couch to 5K to walk, run, crawl, um, as Daryl came up and told me a minute ago, crawl, whatever it looks like for you, to finish the 5K alongside of us. Um, I really, really hope you would try and strive for physical health that way alongside of us. Come to the run club that Erica is starting. Run, walk, um, sit in a stroller as someone pushes you. We don't care. Come and be a part of it. It will count as one of your runs during the week for your Couch to 5K um, goal. Okay, come and be a part of the run club. Go out, uh, be physical with your bodies, and, and, and build into your overall health. Let's talk emotional and mental. How many of you need to press on and strain towards holistic health in your minds? How many of us need to gain victory and control over our emotions? It's not a good thing to view our bodies and our lives with disdain. It's not. God made you. He loves you. You have value. You have purpose. You have potential. You are wonderful. And he desires you and he loves you and God has purpose for your life. He doesn't think of you negatively. Why do you think of you negatively? He also doesn't sugarcoat life, though. God isn't in the business of, of saying, well, everything's just going to be all right if you do these things. And once you do ABC the trauma that you've experienced and the suffering that's been happening in your life will just all go away. It'll just dissipate. That's not the truth either. God does not sugarcoat things. In fact, the psalmist says that God records every one of your tears. He knows every single one of your tears and why you're crying them, and he has them written down somewhere. 
He's intimately involved in what's happening in your life. He cares, but he won't put a pretty bow on things and he won't wrap it all up with a nice little saying, well, everything happens for a reason. It's far more complex than that. And God knows that you've had difficult things that have happened in your life. But here's the truth, is that you can find some sort of healing as you seek after God. And as you press and strain for what health might look like in those areas. God's not asking you to be perfect. Absolutely not. It's not a thing. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to strive for wholeness and completeness and maturity. And one day there will be no more sorrow. And one day there will be no more pain. And one day we'll be in his presence and we'll only know the good because we'll be with him. But for right now, he knows your trauma and he knows your suffering and he's here with you and he's here for you. It doesn't make everything go away, but it does make it bearable when we're with him. Are you making moves towards your health and wholeness? Do you need to see a therapist or a psychiatrist? or Do you need to speak openly and honestly with close people in your lives to help access some of those emotions, to help access some of the suffering that's happened in your life, to move through it and beyond it? What is it that you need to be doing in your small groups? What kind of conversations do you need to be having, having, having with your uh, life group leaders? What type of conversations might you need to be seeking with professionals who can help you sort out and decide and dissect and figure out what it looks like to move forward and be whole and healthy? Are you striving towards health emotionally and mentally? Spiritually, how many of us need to work on loving God with our everything more consistently? I sure do. How many of you view your life in segments and in buckets? This thing happens over here, this thing happens over here, this thing happens over here. And you wonder why your life is in disarray or why things are happening. Well, it's because you're not viewing yourself holistically. Everything happens together. Nothing happens in a vacuum. And so if you're emotionally unhealthy, that will bear implications to your physical life, your spiritual life, and your emotional life. So we need to press forward, understanding that God has made us beautiful and blended and that every little thing that we press for uh, health in our lives will have a total net gain, a positive net gain forward as we strive towards God. Listen, once you get him at the center, everything begins to just sort of line up and get right as a part of loving him because he knows if you can love him, then you'll view the world like you're supposed to. You'll view flourishing like you're supposed to. You'll, you'll view things with a reasonable expectation as opposed to unrealistic expectations and you'll strive for what's reasonable and what's God honoring and honoring to you and to others. And so he wants you to love him first because once you love him first, it'll bear weight for everything else in your lives. How many of you are really fat with knowledge and really lean with action? You know a lot about God, but you're not talking to your neighbors about him. How many of you know a lot about God but aren't serving in this church or outside of it? How many of you know a whole bunch but aren't doing something about it? 
Hear, listen, O Israel. You can't just hear. That's the whole point. Listening necessitates doing. Some of us need to engage in our discipleship groups, re-engage with our discipleship groups. Some of us need to be in one at all. Go by the front desk this morning and find out how you can be a part of discipleship and be a part of a process of growth and a process of health that God wants to see within you. We have intentional leaders who would love to partner with you, walk alongside of you, bring and bear accountability in your life, pray with you, pray for you, and deal with this, the, the difficult things of life as well as the good things with life. They want to build a relationship with you because they understand that in the building of relationship, we can grow together in our relationship with God. Amen? If you're a disciple leader in here, re-engage with your people. Make sure that you're checking in on them. Make sure that you're texting them. Make sure that you're, you're making sure that they're growing as well. Don't just assume it. We all just assume that everybody in church has just got it all together and where everyone's good. Don't assume that. Are you striving towards health relationally with God and relationally with others? How many of us are exercising the disciplines? How many of us stopped memorizing scripture verse when discipleship was over? I sure did, because I, I didn't have to anymore. Nobody was holding me up about it. I was just convicted about it this week. I mean, I need, to, I need to know God's word, not just be familiar with it. That's important, too, to be familiar with God's word, but it's so much more to memorize it and to put it deep in your heart, because once you put it deep in your heart, it bears implications for how you live. Certainly, you're on this list. Certainly, there's an aspect in an area of your life where you need the Holy Spirit's help to press forward, to strain forward for total health. Every one of us has something we can begin to incorporate for overall total completeness and wholeness that God wants to see in us this week. This is a little overwhelming. Someone asked me, what are you um, teaching about this week? I said, just everything. Just, just your whole life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no big deal. But this is, this is the point that you can't do it by yourself. And if right now you're scheming and, you know what I'm saying, carry the two over here, that's how, I, you can't. You can't scheme hard enough and make, and make plans hard enough to make it all work in your life. You need God's help. You need to start in prayer. You need to start by seeking the Holy Spirit's partnership because once you start there, you'll stand a chance at getting to where you want to be. Does this make sense? Understand that health is not an arrival. It is a process and you need God to work alongside of you through the process, or else you'll get to the next thing and go, okay, what's next? The point is that you don't arrive. The point is that you keep striving for him. What are the habits? What are the thoughts? What are the actions that we need to begin to incorporate in our lives to be like this ideal picture of health that Jesus shows us? What values, what characteristics, what attitudes and what actions should we be putting in our hearts, in our lives, and in our minds to strive for him. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you are so good to us, that you haven't left us to our own devices and our own smartiness because we're not there. We're not as smart as you. We don't understand it the same way that you do. We don't have the full holistic picture that you do. We only see in part but you see in full, and because you see in full, you want to change us totally. Help us this week, God, to attach ourselves to you, 
Help us to love you. Help us to view our lives as a comprehensive picture, not just as little segments or sections that don't talk or interrelate. Instead, help us to view ourselves in a healthy way, in a holistic way. This week, Father, we need your help to know what to do next. First off, we need to change our mentality. We need to change our thinking to wrap and evolve and be around you because once it's around you, everything else will begin to fall into line. God, give us grace to seek you this week where we fail and where we're really inconsistent at loving you well. Pick us back up. Move us back towards you. Give us forgiveness and give us grace to move forward. Father, where we might be nailing it in an area, help us to continue those patterns and those habits. Help us to not become over-conceited. Instead, help us to stay humble and stay in your presence day by day as we grow to be more like Jesus. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior today, if you haven't made the choice to put him as Lord of your life, then you have a chance now to start the process of tamim, of wholeness, of completeness. God wants to work within you and work alongside of you because he loves you and he thinks you're good. But he wants to change you because right now you're inconsistently following his commands. And he knows that if you get yourself attached to him and that if you make him Lord of your life, he's going to begin to format and change your very essence to love him as opposed to only yourself or only your gain or only someone else. This morning, if you don't know Jesus and you'd like to make a decision to follow him, just pray like this. Dear God, thank you that you see my total being. You don't just want me to be a good church person. You want me to be a changed person. I know that I've sinned and that I've been really inconsistent when it comes to loving you. I know that I need to change. I know that I, I need to press forward to be more like Jesus. So God, change my insides. Come and live in my heart. Be Lord of my life. Come transform my heart, my very essence, to be devoted to you and to be following you every single day. Thank you for this forgiveness that you've given me. I believe that you have power to change me and to forgive me and make me more like you. Help me to strive for health as I seek you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made any type of decision this morning, if you prayed to know Jesus as your personal Savior, if you want to come join a church that cares not just about your spiritual health, but your total person, this is the church to be a part of. Come let us know at the front as we stand and as we sing to finish our time.